Well, last week we took a look at running the race of faith. And today, the picture changes to that of a family. I want to begin today with a statement that's true of all Christians. It applies to all who have been saved by grace through faith in Christ. Here's the statement. God is our Father, and He disciplines us so that we'll be prepared for life. God's our Father, and He disciplines us so that we'll be prepared for life. Now, I want to tell you what just happened as I said those words. Your concept of fatherhood and discipline kicked in, and you took those words in light of your view of fatherhood and discipline. You weren't even aware of it. But that statement was sifted through your understanding of what it means to be a father, what it means to have a father, and your understanding of discipline and what that means. But let's see what God has to say about it. Please take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read verses 4 through 11. Please stand with me as we read God's word. I trust as we read the word right now that God will speak to each one of our hearts. God's word is strong and powerful. Hebrews 12, 4. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us. And we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, Afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. This is the word of God. And Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes this morning, that we would see wonderful things in your word. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We live in a time where there are certain kinds of parental discipline that are viewed as unacceptable by many. It's not uncommon to hear a social commentator Uh, talk of the psychological and emotional damage done to a child by any form of so-called negative treatment, be it spanking or verbal correction. Now, I don't want to get into a uh, a debate or a discussion on contemporary parenting practices today. But if we hold to a theory that doesn't allow any form of pain in the discipline of a child or any sort of unpleasantness in the training of a child, 
we're going to find it hard to understand and apply Hebrews 12, 4 through 11. Because it assumes parental discipline uh, involves pain in some form. Now, the human side of the analogy the writer uses is, is inescapable. Parental discipline is mandatory for the well-being of a child, and it is uncomfortable in some way for the child. That brings me to something else. If you have experienced abuse at the hands of a parent or an unjust application of discipline, it will be more difficult for you to understand and to apply uh, seeing God as a loving parent who disciplines us. Um, it will be harder to see discipline as a loving part of a parent-child relationship. And then to see your relationship with your Heavenly Father in that way, there's a, a few more hurdles in the path. Now, some have had wonderful experiences with their earthly fathers, and, and some have had uh, absolutely unbelievably horrible experiences with their earthly fathers. And then there's everything in between, right? Um, we, you know, depending on where we're coming from, what's going to happen is this. We're, we might reject or dismiss a biblical truth because of where we come from. We might uh, over-idealize or exaggerate a biblical truth depending upon where we're coming from. And uh, I, I want to I say this. We can't eliminate our background, we can't eliminate uh, our experience in life, but we can't acknowledge where we're coming from. We can't acknowledge our starting point. That uh, would just be honest before God. And I assure you, it's okay. God knows, and God understands where we're coming from better than we do. He knows our hearts. He knows our pain. He knows our background. Uh, now, on the other hand, once we hear the word of God, and if we see that our views don't align with it, we've got to decide. And it isn't good to stay in a position that's unbiblical once God has revealed uh, the truth to us. But I want to address two aspects of discipline today, uh, two simple aspects of discipline. First, its importance. Why is it needed? And secondly, what's the purpose of discipline? What does it do? But before I even do that, I want to look at a working definition of discipline. What is it? Uh, there are, what does it mean? Uh, there are five Greek words in the New Testament that can be translated discipline. Uh, first, we have the word uh, gymnazo, and that we see that in 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. It's where we get our English word uh, gymnasium. It, it means to, to, to work out. It, it, it signifies the training of body and, and mind. There's also the word taxis. Taxis, it's in Colossians 2, 5. When Paul uh, complimented them on their good discipline, it means to arrange things properly. It means to set things in order. Some of you are very good at, at doing that, putting things in, in order. The next word is hupopiazzo. Hupopiazzo, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the word that's seen in 1 Corinthians 9.27 about running a race. That all run in a race, only one receives the prize. It, it relates to bodily discipline in the context of sports. And it means, uh, literally, to strike under the eye. It means to beat black and blue. <laughs> and where Paul says, I discipline my body. I bring it under subjection so that I may win the race. 
Uh, there's another word, uh, sophronismos. Uh, it's in 2 Timothy 1.7 when Paul said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind or discipline. So there's four words there. And then there's one more word, uh, paideia. Paideia, it's the word found in Ephesians 6.4, uh, which talks about uh, fathers don't exasperate your children, um, but bring, the, uh, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So that word, uh, paideia, and it signifies the entire process of training a child. The entire parental process of bringing a child up towards adulthood. Now, that's the word that's found in Hebrews 12, paideia. It's found nine times in these eight verses. It's, it's, the, it's the, the theme of these verses, if you, if you hadn't noticed. Uh, and so if discipline is the process whereby a parent uh, guides a, a child to adulthood, then what's God's discipline? Well, God's discipline then would be the process of preparing us for maturity, but not just maturity, eternity as well. God's process that he brings us through, bringing us to maturity and also preparing us for, for eternity. He's equipping us for what he has planned for us in this life and also the next. Just like a parent uh, trains a child. A parent uh, exposes them to a, a process of educating them. And uh, even arranges uh, or allows challenging experiences. So they will grow and they will grow stronger. That's how God leads us through our lives. Now as we seek to understand this passage, it's also helpful uh, to understand the author's point of reference when it comes to paideia, when it comes to parental discipline, the process. In biblical times, both in, in the Hebrew culture, in Judaism, and also in the broader Greco-Roman culture, the father had ultimate responsibility for the training of children. He might employ a tutor at some point, uh, around age six or seven, but his ongoing influence was the most significant. It was his responsibility. The ultimate goal was to help the child develop character and wisdom. And we see the pattern in Proverbs. Uh, in Proverbs 4.1, here O sons, the instruction of a father. Give attention that you may gain understanding. In Proverbs 6.20, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. We also see it in the verse I I mentioned before in Ephesians 6.4. Fathers, uh, don't exasperate your children. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. But discipline was a key component not only in the family, but also in the the broader community. And it highlights the importance of discipline. Why is it so important? Why is it necessary? Why do we need it? Well, let me ask another question. What was the situation for those original hearers, the original readers of this letter? Why did they need the encouragement with regards to God's discipline of his children? What was going on with them that would necessitate God to speak through the writer of Hebrews to let them know these things? Well, many of these new Christians, as you remember, were, were thinking about um, 
dropping out of the race. They, they were beginning to buckle under the pressure of persecution and the reality of what it really meant to follow Jesus. Now, according to verse 4 here, there was something they had not done. And it, it's beyond obvious. It, it's, it's, literally, it's laughable, if you think about it, the point that is made here. Uh, it's beyond obvious. What they had not done is resisted, which means to stand in battle. They had not resisted to the point of shedding blood. What, it mean, what, what, what the writer's getting at is, uh, hey, you're still alive. Hello? Uh, you're still alive. Remember, many of the, the people we spill, uh, that I, I just told you about from Hebrews 11 there, uh, they died for their faith, and Jesus, the supreme example, was killed. But uh, you're all alive still, so don't be discouraged. Be encouraged by the example of these who have gone before you, and especially of Jesus. That was the point he was getting at. Uh, the original recipients had, of this letter had uh, uh, experienced some extreme persecution. But they were all still alive. They hadn't been called upon to give their lives for the faith at that point. Maybe in the future, but uh, they were still there. Now, this applies to all of us. Because anyone who is hearing this message is still alive and therefore in need of the encouragement that we see from Scripture and especially with the example of Jesus. It's always going to boil down to, to what Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 spoke of. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Always going to boil down to that in the Christian life. Now there was something else. They, they hadn't died yet for their faith, but then they had, they had forgotten something. Literally, they had forgotten it completely. They had forgotten God's exhortation. Look at, look at verse four there verse five excuse me you have forgotten the exhortation ah which is addressed to you as sons what was it what did god say to him well the writer quotes from proverbs 3 it's proverbs 3 verses 11 and 12 my son don't reject the lord's discipline don't uh, loathe his reproof For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. That's how Proverbs 3, 11, and 12 read. Don't rebel. Don't lose heart when the times get tough. And these words from Proverbs 3, they show us that the person who is wise accepts hardship as God, uh, as his method, as God's method for training and disciplining us. And remembering God's word uh, helps put things in proper perspective, helps us see things in proper perspective. And it helps us see two important reasons why discipline is so important. Let's look at those. First, discipline shows our sonship. It so- shows our sonship. It helps uh, us remember that we belong to God's family. The word sons is, is uh, here six times in this passage. Uh, verse 7 speaks of the idea of enduring because of discipline. And that God deals with us as with sons because that's what dads do. What son is there who his father doesn't discipline? That's, fathers discipline their kids. So don't be surprised. 
And discipline proves legitimate sonship. Uh, it exposes illegitimacy. And, and in those days, illegitimacy was a huge issue. When, uh, when it, if you were illegitimate, if you did not belong to the family, you were excluded from two things. One, in the future, inheritance rights. You didn't get anything. Secondly, in the present, you were excluded from the family worship. And so discipline shows that, that, that you're a legitimate part of the family. Christians are sons and daughters of God. Uh, all the riches of Christ are ours. And we have an inheritance. And we experience discipline. Just like earthly parents, God's part is to apply the discipline where and when needed. According to his purposes, not our wishes. See, if it was along our wishes, we'd be the parent, right? We'd be able to choose uh, what, what happens in life. But just like children with parents, our part is to honor and respect God's leadership in our life. Now, our society knows too little of discipline, uh, even in the home. And, and so this truth is difficult for us to grasp. This, this is the truth. It is the parental prerogative to apply discipline and the right consequence in order to build character and to equip a child for life. The children are done a disservice if they're allowed to run the show. It robs them of the security that discipline provides. Now the same is true of our relationship with God. Now I know all the kids in here right now are all mad at me. They're like, man, you're blowing our cover. See, the thing is, Sometimes you try to run the show. You just you find a way to manipulate your parents. Your, kid, your kids are great, by the way. Well, talk to my kids for right now. Kids, I know sometimes you, you try to manipulate us. But it's best if a parent takes control of the situation and guides because they've got the wisdom of experience. Uh, the same is true in our relationship with God. God doesn't want us to go independent and, and keep making the same mistakes because we will. When we go independent, we continually, consistently make the same mistakes. But he wants us to learn. And here's an interesting point. Think of the word discipline. Can you see any other words within that word? Discipline has at its root the idea of learning, of being a disciple. So as we walk daily with Jesus, we are in a, in a discipling relationship with God. Sometimes we, we speak of, you know, uh, I am discipling so-and-so, or so-and-so is discipling me. Well, have you, have you thought of this, that God is discipling us? He is our primary discipler. We are learning of him. We are disciples of Christ. Look at Romans 8. Romans 8 and verse 14. In Romans 8, uh, God is shown to be getting us ready not only for the rest of our life here, but for eternity. And in verse 14, it says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out to God, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him. 
so that we may also be glorified with him. It's part of the picture. He is discipling us. So first, uh, discipline shows our sonship. And second, discipline shows God's love. It shows God's love. It shows us how much he loves us. You know how parents say this, you know, I love you, that's why I'm disciplining you. And the kids are like, yeah, right, then let me have my way. No, I love you too much to do that. Because I know where your way will lead you. Look at Proverbs 13. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24. Discipline, we see, stems from genuine love. And what God wants us to see is that the present hardships are signs of his love for us. And the means by which he is training us spiritually to become more fully his sons. Look at Proverbs 13, 24. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Literally follows after him diligently with discipline. So if you look back and your parent wouldn't let it go and diligently followed after you, thank the Lord. Job said in Job 2.10, Shall we accept good from the hand of, Lord, of the Lord and not accept adversity? And further in Job, in, in Job 5.17, we read this, Happy is the man whom God reproves. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. The psalmist declared in Psalm 119, verse 75 and 76, I know, O Lord, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. And then he says this, O may your loving kindness comfort me according to your word to your servant. May your loving kindness comfort me in the midst of my affliction that you have allowed Jesus told his uh, disciples they would share his sufferings. You can see it in John 15, 18 through 21. The early church, they rejoiced in the privilege of suffering for Christ's sake. God sends us challenges and hardships, but not out of spite and anger. We do that sometimes, don't we? We'll, send, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll discipline our kids out of anger at times, which is, which is not uh, right, but we do. Well, at least I do sometimes. I'll just speak for myself here. Um, but God does not discipline us out of spite or out of or, uh, some punitive idea or out of anger. Out of, but what he does, he disciplines us out of paternal love, a father's love, so that we would be stronger, so that we would grow in respect to salvation. But sometimes we, we think of discipline, just like going back to the beginning of this sermon, when I, when I said, you know, God disciplines us as a father, and your idea of discipline, often our idea is negative. It's all punitive. Oh, discipline, that's a bad thing. It's negative. But that's not, that, that's short-sighted. That's not the full idea of discipline. Uh, God's loving discipline inv- involves many facets. It's like a diamond. Uh, there is teaching, uh, instruction. There is training, uh, rigorous training. There is protecting Uh, don't run in front of that car as a parent would say to their child to protect them from getting run over there is correcting correcting there is uh, guiding there is punishing when necessary Uh, but when we don't get what we want god is helping us to learn contentment 
When we face trials, He's helping us endure. When we're wayward, God relentlessly pursues us by His grace. In Revelation 3.19, Jesus said this to the church at Laodicea, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. His kindness leading us to repentance. So discipline is important. It's very important, and it shows us our sonship. It shows us God's love. It shows that God takes seriously uh, his responsibility as a father to sustain us and to teach us, and that he's not indifferent to us, but he's actively involved in the process. He's right in the midst of everything that you are going through right now. Now, what we also need to understand when it comes to discipline is its purpose, the purpose of discipline. What does it do? Uh, What happens when the process works? What does it produce? Now, children don't always see the purpose behind their parents' discipline, do they? And what happens is, often, uh, kids will lash out with things like, that's not fair. You're being mean. You don't understand. Now, the same is true with Christians. We sometimes don't understand what God's doing. We must understand it. Then we'll, we sometimes misconstrue God's, God's uh, motives with us. We sometimes uh, misconstrue it in terms of what God allows into our life as him being unfair or even punishing us for some sin. As if, as if we did all the right things, he would only bring good things into our life. Only bring the things we would want. Well, God doesn't deal with us on a performance basis. And he doesn't allow uh, hardship to pay us back for sins we've committed. See, uh, verses 9 through 11 show us two goals of God's fatherly activity. Two things. The first, and we see it in verse 9. Let me read verse 9. It says, Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? See, the first purpose of God's discipline is life, abundant life. Jesus said, I have come that that they might have life and and have it to the full. That we would experience all that God has for us in this life and the next. That we would experience life uh, in the context of following him and obeying him and respecting his leadership in our life. Just like in Ephesians 6, 3, what it says when, when... When kids are instructed to honor and to obey their parents, it says, so that it may be well with you, so that you live a long life on the earth. What it means there is that we won't be putting ourselves unduly in harm's way. We'll be doing what God intends and therefore enjoying life in its fullest sense. In fact, William Lane put it this way, God is training his children for the enjoyment of life in its fullest sense. God's training us for enjoyment of life in its fullest. The Hebrew readers of this letter would have made another connection. In fact, go to Deuteronomy 30 for a moment. Deuteronomy 30. They would have made another connection with this this idea of life, this statement about life. 
they would have remembered God's words to them in giving the law to Israel. They would have remembered what God had said. In, in Deuteronomy 30, verse, starting at verse 15, God said this, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and multiply and that your, the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. If, you, if, you, if your heart turn away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you might live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding fast to him. For this is your life and length of days that you may live in the land of the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to them. See, the Lord was to be their life. The Lord was to be their very life. And every act was to be an act of worship to Him. From the most mundane to the most holy-looking act, all was to be a holy act of worship to God. God being their life. And God's purpose in disciplining us is that we would experience abundant life. Not to hurt us, to help us. Now, the other result has to do with our character. It's that godly character would be produced. There's this idea in verse 10. It says, They disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good that we may share His holiness. There's this idea that we would experience growth in holiness. Part of the character development would be growth in holiness. Again, the writer says that, uh, that our fathers disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. They tried their best most of the time. Uh, I mean, I try to discipline my, my five children appropriately, uh, but I make tons of mistakes. Just ask them after the service. I make a lot of mistakes. Every father makes mistakes. Uh, they do things from, we do things from mixed motives. We act in sin toward our children, fathers and mothers, parents. In one way or another, we blow it. We, we discipline them for a short while as seems best to us. But God, God still says, though, that parents are to receive respect from their children. That's still a children's responsibility, uh, which is difficult for children, especially in times when their, their parents' actions maybe don't, um, necessarily deserve as much respect as is commanded by God. It still stands. Honor your father and mother. But when it comes to God, we have no such problems to overcome. See, it says that he disciplines us for our good. All his purposes are good. All his promises are good. All his actions are right. So, in the midst of discipline, we find ourselves asking, well, how can this be so good if it hurts so much? <laughs> this is good, and it hurts. So how's it good? Well, it says that he disciplines us for our good that we would share his holiness. It's one of the most amazing statements in Scripture. That he disciplines us for our good 
that we would share in his holiness. What, what, a, what an amazing thought that we become partakers, that we become sharers of God's holiness. We who feel so unholy all the time. Wow. And the holiness or the sanctification that is mentioned here is a, is a bit different from the sanctification mentioned earlier in Hebrews, which is God securing us the, by the sacrifice of Christ, giving us entrance into his presence, that we can come before him with a clear conscience in worship. The holiness mentioned here is the goal for which God is preparing us through discipline. It's the entire process of sanctification. You can really, if you think about it, this picture is in, of a family discipline. You can lay that side by side and it parallels sanctification. God at work in us to conform us to the image of Christ. Now, when we accept discipline at the hand of God as designed by our Heavenly Father for our good, we won't feel rebellious or resentful. Like the little child where his mom says to him, you did this wrong, your consequence is you need to sit over here in the corner. And while he was sitting in the corner, he's, he's thinking to himself, I'm, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Instead, our, our souls will be quieted before God. Our souls will be comforted in God's presence by His hand of love. Our hearts will be responsive to the will of God. That is fertile soil for God to work. Verse 11 says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Discipline's not joyful, it's unpleasant at times, <laughs> it's sorrowful. Paul and Barnabas told the young churches in Galatia, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. You see, God leads us through painful situations to better things. Much better than if we hadn't gone through the pain. C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, The Problem of Pain, that God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God gets our attention with discipline. The legendary football coach Tom Landry put it this way, the job of a coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to be what they've always wanted to be. That's what God's doing in us. He's making us what we were meant to be. What we in our best moments want to be. In ways we wouldn't choose for ourselves. If we desire to please God, if we cry out to God for renewed hearts, if we want to be like Jesus in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions, then we won't flinch or rebel when God brings us into trials when he enters us into trials because that's his way of bringing us to what we desire as believers and afterwards when the process is complete look at the last part of verse 11 it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness what a beautiful picture the peaceful fruit the outcome righteousness Right standing with God, right actions, right motives. 
will be able to say with the psalmist in Psalm 119, 67, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. It's good that I may learn your statutes. And that's not an overnight occurrence, is it? It's a lifetime work of God in us. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that you are in the midst of accomplishing your will in us. And we thank you, Lord, that you are our Heavenly Father, our loving Heavenly Father, who does all things well. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.